Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our Parsha series. For those of you listening on Torah anytime, you can have the Makoros, all the sources for everything we say every week, delivered straight to your phone or your email uh, by just emailing me at estween at gmail or giving, sending me a WhatsApp, 516-526-2096. Our Parsha is resuming right in time for Rosh Hashanah. Let's go through the dedications for this year. And then I'm going to introduce you to the book, the new book, Required Reading, for everyone in this in these, uh, who's taking these courses. Okay, dedications for our three-part Yamim Noram series this week, next week, and the week between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Dedications, Varda Gewurz is dedicating this class for an Elias Neshama on the 10th yard site of her father, David ben Eli Melech. Tamar Rabinowitz, Eloi Nishmas, her father, Moshe ben Chaim. Chaya Parkov, Eloi Nishmas, her father's 55th yard site, Tzvi Moshe ben Eliyahu Label. Uh, Esther Horowitz, Liloy Nishmas, her father, Mo Moisha Meyer Ben Yechiel Mechel. Ilana Lipman, also Liloy Nishmas, in memory of her dear father. A lot of Moshe's, did you notice that? <coughs> Moshe Ben Michael, in honor of Orabat Baruch. May Hashem guard her like the pupil of an eye for a Fushlema and a Fushlema for Yaakov and Sarah. Um, Thank you, Hakar Satov, and a blessed new year for everybody. By Bela Foyerstein, Lizchus Freda Bas Bela. By Michal Wixen, Rafur Shlema Tavram Yitzchak Ben Chayarus, Rifki Youngreis, Rafur Shlema for all Chol Israel, and Shuli Chabaruch for a healthy and sweet new year for Chachma Vachesed Torah Circle. Well, since so many people devoted to Dukkah money to this class, we have a responsibility here. We got to really learn and really gain new ideas. Got to work hard. Okay. Introducing a guide to the guide. You know how much we rely on the Mornabuchim. The Mornabuchim is a, 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 a life's work. Well, Yaakov Yosef Reinman and Yosef Chaim Lazar Kohn made sort of like a synopsis of each chapter of the guide. It's not like learning the Mora, and we will bring direct quotes from the Mora not synopsis quotes, but for anybody who wants to get a general idea of the fundamental principles of the Rambam about Hashem, about a relationship, about Nevoah, about so many fundamental principles, this is your book. It's by Shufra Publishing. I just want to say one thing. Be careful. I am so happy with what they did, but they did something that Rambam sort of says, don't do, okay? Rambam says, don't read my book simply. I've embedded all sorts of secrets throughout all the chapters because there's secret information that I'm not allowed to openly teach. So I've stuck it in here and there. If you read between the lines, you'll pick it up. I've even inserted inconsistencies to alert you to go deeper and figure out what I'm really trying to say. So don't read it simply. But at the same time, inserted in the Nomura, you know, is of course these ideas, but there's also straightforward basic shot of the Mora, okay? And that in itself is worthwhile. But if you have a question, you always go deeper because maybe the Rambam didn't just mean that, you know what I mean? So it's a, you have to read it, but know that you're really not, you're not getting the depth of the Mora, but it's very helpful. Okay. So you can all buy it and keep it by your side. Here we go. 
the a guide to the guide. All right. We are going to address a fundamental issue regarding Yemen Naraim, but it's bigger than Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. It's so big in an area of so much confusion. And that is the whole area of Hashem's operating in the world, reacting, so to speak, to our to what we do. Does Hashem have emotions? Now, here's a question. Are human beings responsible for Hashem's emotional state and its consequences? Like, do we make Hashem angry? Do we make Hashem sad? And then it's our problem. We cause Hashem to be upset. And then Hashem punishes us, or we cause Hashem to be happy, and then Hashem rewards us. Oops, I'm not wearing this thing. And um, so we basically, A, take responsibility for Hashem's emotional state. B, Hashem is therefore affected by us. Okay, what's wrong with the whole question? Even the question, are human beings responsible for Hashem's emotional state and its consequences? Guys, what's wrong with the question? You can't even ask a question like that, because why? First of all, does Hashem have different emotional states? Of course, we kiss, we have to say no. What does the midos of Hashem mean? You know, we're used to thinking midos are your character traits, like I'm generous and you're stingy. So Hashem also has his own character traits. Midos does not mean that for sure. Absolutely not. So now we got to delve into a very fundamental idea because so much of chinuch of children, okay, because they're too young to really understand the big idea. So you say, this will make mommy happy. But really, if the child brushes their teeth and goes to sleep on time and eats all their healthy food, and that makes mommy happy, and that's the reason why the kid is doing it. But why is mommy happy? Because it's good for the child and they're developing good habits. And in the end, when they're mature, are they gonna do it to make mommy happy? Of course not, they're gonna do it because it's good for them and they're in a good pattern. So when they're little, we say, hey, mommy will be happy and mommy will buy you a present. But really, okay, mommy is not mad and angry and unhappy because the child didn't brush their teeth. And if she is, that's a problem, okay? Um, she's not meant to be affected by a little child's, you know, uh, behavior or discipline. You're above that. We're above that. As parents, you're meant to be above that, not personally offended and then personally angry and personally revengeful. So let's first go straight to the original sources, Moranabuchim, basically, then we're going to analyze a Pasuk to get clarity on does Hashem have emotions, and what do we do with the um, language, the emotional language in the Torah, which we're going to analyze. Give me some examples of where it says Hashem is happy, sad, angry, this, that. Vayicharaf. Yeah, well, Yad Hashem is a physical part, a hand of Hashem. What's emotions? Kilkana, great. Hashem regretted. We'll talk about that. Hashem loves, right? Okay, let's go carefully. Whenever any one of his actions, meaning what Hashem does in the world, is perceived by us, we ascribe to God that emotion, okay, to an action. We're, we're kind of trying to explain an action by using an emotion, okay? We ascribe to God that emotion, which is the source of the act, when performed by ourselves. So if we would do that, what emotional state would we be in, okay? And call him by an epithet, how do you pronounce that? Epithet, which is formed from the verb expressing that emotion. We see example. 
how well Hashem provides for the life of the embryo of living beings, how he endows them with certain faculties, both the embryo itself and those who have to rear it after its birth in order that it may be protected from death, destruction, guarded against all harm and assisted in the performance of all that is required for its development. Similar acts when performed by us are due to a certain emotion and tenderness called mercy and pity. God is therefore said to be merciful. Example, like as a father is merciful to his children, so Hashem is merciful to them that fear him. That's to him. And I will spare them as a man spares, Yachmol, Chemla, Hamal, has mercy on his own son that serves him. Such instances do not imply that God is influenced by a feeling of mercy. We can't get clearer than this, okay? But the acts similar to those which a father performs for a son out of pity, mercy, and real affection emanate from God solely for the benefit of his pious men and are by no means the result of any impression or change. This is huge. I'll give you a spoiler. One of the reasons that Hashem can't have emotions is that it means that Hashem is changing. Before I was calm and now I'm angry. So I'm different. Hashem, the essence of Hashem Echad, there is never change. Nothing is ever developed that wasn't there yesterday. Ramam's going to explain that would be imperfection. Yesterday I was calm and now I'm angry. Then I'm going to be calm again. So something's missing. Of course, it goes without saying that that means we creations can affect Hashem and change Hashem. Of course, that's impossible. Okay. When we give something to a person who has no claim upon us, we perform an act of grace. Quotes from Shoftim, grant them graciously unto us. The same term is used in reference to God when Hashem has gracious, graciously given because Hashem has dealt graciously with me. Instances of this kind, chanan, like chonein, right? Hashem is, right? Instances of this kind are numerous. God creates and guides beings who have no claim upon him to be created and guided by him. He is therefore called chonein from chinam, manas chinam, he guides and bestows without us deserving it or having a claim on him. So we say that Hashem is chonein, okay? That he has this, this quality. His actions towards mankind also include great calamity. So what Rambam's saying here is it's all just mishalim that help us relate to Hashem's actions, meaning what Hashem does, how things unfold for humanity in this world, okay? When we see things unfolding a certain way or bestowal, we give it and we refer to it as some sort of emotion that's motivating God, but there's no such thing, okay? All right. Um, his actions towards mankind also include great calamities, which overtake individuals and bring death to them or affect whole families or even entire regions, spread death, destroy generation after generation and spare nothing whatsoever. Hence, there occurs inundations, earthquake, earthquakes, destructive storms, expeditions of one nation against the other for the sake of destroying it with the sword and blotting out its memory and many other evils of the same kind. Whenever such, an evil, whenever such evils are caused by us to, to any person, they originate in great anger, violent jealousy, or a desire for revenge. God is therefore called, because of these acts, jealous, revengeful, wrathful, and keeping anger. That is to say he performs acts similar to those which, when performed by us, originate in certain physical dispositions and jealousy, desire for retaliation, revenge or anger. 
They are in accordance with the guilt of those who are to be punished and not the result of any emotion for he is above all defect. The same is the case with all divine acts. Through resembling those acts which emanate from our passions and physical dispositions, they are not due to anything super added to Hashem's essence. So why do we use emotional language? Same reason you reuse emotional language with your kids. Because the Torah was written for Am Yisrael when, what stage in our development? Infancy, childhood, young children. We were young once as a nation. And of course we evolved as a nation. And in those early days, HaKadosh Baruch wrote the Torah and, and used language that is, that is acceptable to an undeveloped or slowly developing co religious consciousness, like a child. But of course, as we mature, we discard the mashal and we understand that it's not that Hashem is being moved and affected by us and sometimes offended and sometimes pleased. Hashem doesn't change. But based on what we do, Hashem will conduct the world in a way that responds to what we're doing and, and responds to what we need. And then we, so we'll, we'll give those names. Does this be, is this beginning to make sense? Do you see already that even if it's not fully internalized now, that it's something to think about? It's a, there's a it's a it's a key, it's a tool to know how to learn Torah. Okay. But response also means a change. So we're gonna get to Rosh Hashanah. What happens in Rosh Hashanah? Is Hashem it's for you know taking a new look, making a new assessment, making a new decision, what should be for the next year? Are new things happening? Of course, we can't say that, so we have to explain. What it means we're going to get into the idea of Ratzon. Okay, let's decode a pasuk in the Torah. Okay, decoding the language in the Torah. You know, there's a lot of pasukim. You, for example, in Tish Tishabav, okay, in Echa, a lot of language about Hashem released his wrath. This is what Rambam's talking about. Okay, remember Tishabav, Yirmiyahu was the Nasal, were just in their, you know, kind of maturing out of their childhood. Right, the gullus begins the emerging adulthood. This is, of course, our our whole approach to Jewish history. In our course, it's module four. Okay, um, decoding the language of the Torah. So let's read a pasuk. Okay, everyone knows where this pasuk comes from, right before the Mabel. Vayinachem Hashem ki asa esha adam ba'aretz. Whoa, there's a lot here. What is Vayinachim? What is the root? Nacham, Nacham, Nechama. Okay, Nechama is really the root. It's translated normally as regret. We'll understand why, but it's really comfort. Okay, what is regret, comfort? All right. Then we have Vayisatsev. What's the root of that? He was sad. And what's his heart? And what does it mean he was sad? to his heart. So we're sort of going to work backwards. Okay. Cause this is a Ramba Mornabucham 129. All right. Unto his heart means he was sad unto his heart. It means he did not inform him of it. In other words, he was spoke. He only, so to speak, kept this, um, the plan of destroying mankind to himself. Other than telling Noah for his own sake, he did not tell Noah, be a Navi and go tell everybody else. He said, I'm telling you to build a Teva. When people came to Noah and said, build a Teva, Noah had no mission from God to tell them anything. He just said, well, I'm doing it because I know there's going to be a Mabel. But he had no 
mitzvah to tell anybody else. In fact, he was, but not as a navi. In fact, the entire Sefer Barashas, there is no case of a navi being told, go tell others such and such. The first time Hashem tells anyone, go tell others what I'm telling you, is Moshe by the Smith. And that's why Moshe says, they're not going to believe me. There's nobody who ever comes as I'm speaking for God. This is a whole new thing. How are they going to believe me? Nobody speaks for God. This is the first time that somebody's being asked to say that God told me to tell you this. Okay. But again, that we that is a other subject. So Ramam says, with regards to man, we use the expression he said to himself. He said in his heart, in reference to a subject which he did not utter or communicate to any other person, any other person. Similarly. And God said unto his heart is used in reference to an act which Hashem decreed without mentioning it to any prophet. Okay, so the Mabel, there is no direct message from Hashem, a call from God to the people through a Navi to repent. They're still in a stage where they're supposed to figure it out themselves. And they should, you know, ask and see what Noah's doing and take a self-assessment and try to improve themselves enough, did have a long time, 120 years, right? Okay, what does it mean saddened? Look at Ramam taking the verse. So he goes into, um, he goes into, uh, he quotes what Eitzav means. He gives a few different, he often does this in the beginning of Moragokham, definition. So sad means Eitzev means sad, it means angry, it means all sorts of things. So he gives the third. He goes, taking the verb in its third signification, we explain the passage thus, and man rebelled against God's will concerning him. That's what it means Hashem was sad. That, the way you understand that is, if a person okay, had expectation, so to speak, or planned for something good, and or it hoped for, intended for something good, and the uh, beneficiary just sabotaged or distorted or violated or didn't you know didn't take advantage of the opportunity then the giver would be sad but what it really means is and man rebelled against Hashem's will concerning him for lave as we're going to see also signifies will so sad means humanity has nothing to do with Hashem humanity disregarded and violated that which Hashem had designed for their benefit so but it's sad again you get, we have to get into a, a, a you know we have to become so com comfortable and familiar with doing this taking an emotional kind of like description word and say it doesn't mean that Hashem had any emotion what does it mean about people people violated that which was for their benefit the way the Hashem designed the world everything in the world people distorted it they 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 they, they malfunctioned completely and so we would say that that wasn't Hashem's plan and that doesn't have a future, and that leads to self-destruction. So in a normal person, they would feel sad. Okay? Does that make sense? But it's talking about humanity just totally um, misusing and ruining the opportunity that Hashem gave them, and just not taking advantage of it, and ultimately self-destruction. Okay? His heart. This is, comes from Nebuchadnezzar 139. It means will. Lave denotes will. So what it means he was sad to his heart means two things. It means that they, the humanity went against Hashem's will, which was, a, so to speak, disappointing for humanity to, to do that. Look around the world today. 
And Hashem did not reveal to a Navi that, you know, a, a message for the people. Okay, so that's what V'yisyatev alibo means, basically. Okay, let's go further. What does V'yinachem Hashem? Nachem, nechama. What is, when you go to be menachem aval, what sort of nechama is there when, when a person says shiva, unlike Nebuch, the queen is sitting, laying in, in state for who knows how long. When a person gets buried and there are people come to make a shiva visit to give nechama, okay? Nechama is a change of emotion or a, or a comfort due to a correct perspective, meaning people come, your person begins to see, put the death into perspective, into Jewish perspective. It's not the end. It's a transition to the, the next life. Everything is for the good. You know, it's a way of sort of reattaching to a good, correct perspective. That's called nechama. Bayinache means that there's an opportunity for an, one perspective, but you have another perspective instead, a better perspective, okay? And regret... Um, of course, you would think that if a Baruch created humanity and it all has to be drowned out, that there's there's a sense of and you know regret that it didn't go well, that he has to destroy his creatures. Let's put the two together. The marble seems like God's will didn't go as planned. Regret, sadness. Okay. However, if the plan was that man should have real free will, it did go as planned. The problem is that man misused his will and caused his own world to be dissolved. So, Bayinache means the comforting thought is that Hashem created the world with free will, and this is a serious expression of free will. Okay, people did whatever they wanted. But unfortunately, the total free-for-all of mankind's free will led to their dissolving themselves, literally, just like erasing themselves. But that doesn't mean that free will is a bad thing and that Hashem is not going to start the world again and still give humanity more free will. It's just that this generation is an example of how you could get free will wrong. So the comforting idea is that, of course, free will is, is good. And, of course, humanity will get there. Okay? And it's regretful that this generation messed up. But it will start again because free will is good and people will get it right. So when it says, we're saying not that Hashem regretted or was comforted, that we understand and it's comforting for us to know that free will still is the right thing. And we can learn from the mistakes of others. And Hashem, uh, unfortunately, had to destroy this generation. We don't want that to happen to us, obviously. So let's get it right. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah, so interesting. I mean, on a tangent, you know, you know, the Mepharshim say that the the spiritual malfunction, the spiritual malfunction of man corrupted the entire world, and everything, and even the animals were. Oh, the animals started being homosexual, mating with it in different, the wrong species, right? So um, there was man was so integrated at that time with um, with nature and there's a shear miracles in nature tanya you can put it on the chats <laughs> about after the marvel hashem disconnected man with teva so that teva wouldn't be negatively affected by man's moral corruption 
okay? Until Harsina and Amishol will reconnect Teva and man through, and that's where you get open nisim and and uh, a lot of hashkocha has to do with that. Bracha and klala all has to do with that. All right, are we good so far? Now, the Beratius Rabbah, look out carefully, okay? The Beratius Rabbah talks about this idea. This is important to point out, also careful reading of the language. Okay, again, we understand that it's regrettable that the free choice that Hashem has bestowed upon us and invested in us was misused and the world had to be destroyed. But we are comforted by the fact that we could get free will right and do it right. And this won't have to happen again. Okay, that's for Yenachim. Okay, the Medrash says, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Nechemi. Two different, uh, they're going to tell us two different things. Rabbi Yehuda says, Amar, Pavhus Haisa Lefana. He's like Hashem is sort of saying, okay, regret was before me, Shebarasi Oso Milamata, that I created man in the physical lower world. Ilu Barasi Oso Milamala, had I created him in the upper spiritual worlds, Lohayamorebi. Wouldn't have rebelled against me. Okay, without getting too deep, regret was before me that man is so physical that they'd be more attached to their spiritual. This wouldn't have happened. So maybe, you know, again, man, it's regrettable that man identifies so much with the material world and not the spiritual world that this had to happen. But whenever the Medrash says, and Rambam points it out in the morning, of I just didn't bring it here because I don't want to go on that tangent. When it says, like he says, it was before me. It's indicating this is not me. Not my, this is not the way I want my rut zone to have to operate. I don't want to have to destroy a world. I want to give free will. But when people totally malfunction, they destroy themselves, which is not the way it should unfold. But inevitably, that is how it unfolds. We create our own self-destruction. So, but that is like disseparated, so to speak, from Hashem's ultimate desire for good it's before me it's not me because really i have my russell my russell ensures that the world will find its path and its way but not this way this is not the, the best way okay it's good we can learn from their lessons but this is not the best way so it's almost indicating this is you know this is not the way my russell should unfold even though it's in our hands yeah it sounds to me like that seed was planted and then Destroys itself. Yes. In order to grow again. Yes. It sounds like what we do with Chuba. Yes, and we're gonna get to Chuba. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good. Yes. Now, what we're gonna get there. Your brain's already connecting dots, which it should. Okay. What was before me implies distance, not closeness to Hashem. Now, close doesn't mean close. It means aware of Hashem's rut zone and how to live and having that influence our mind through the Shefa. That's called close, okay? Mordebuchim 1.7, very important. What happened over there? So he's talking here, the Mordebuchim, about Cain and Hevel. And, but he says, it is acknowledged that a, a man, person, who does not possess the tsura, meaning the design that a Kaddish Baruch designed us with that should operate correctly, okay? The Neshama and all of that. Okay, is not human. That's not called an Adam. Hashem designed an Adam. It has operates a certain way. If we distort our operation, we don't get to be called Adam. Yeah, we're humans, but we don't get to be called Adam. This is another topic we've talked about. 
you know, if you look at the Torah and the Sheshis Mebrashis and the story of Adam and Chava and Kain and Hevel, all that, all that takes place in Sheshis Mebrashis. Sheshis Mebrashis are not part of real time. We start counting after. My grandfather and many others have written about that the Sheshis Mebrashis, those are the zillions, billions, trillions of years the scientists have discovered. That is when all the evolution takes place. We have no problem with evolution as long as it's not accidental. And yes, most likely there were homo sapiens, human-like creatures without the tsura, without the neshama, just operating like a Neanderthal, cave writings, probably the nachash was one of them, okay? It's called the nachash, we'll explain that eventually, but, or we have talked about that, but uh, probably, you know, the category of nachash, but probably there were creatures that did not operate as in Adam, when Hashem invested the, neshama, the, the, the human being with a neshama, they're called Adam. They have a tsura, a design, a divine design that they're meant to operate from. If people don't, if they go back to animal, no neshama, no shefa, no hashpa, no flow of divine ideas into their mind, no way to prioritize or know what's right and wrong, okay, then they are not considered, according to Torah, in the category of what is called an Adam. And Adam is a person with a divine design and knows how to use it correctly, okay? Yet such a creature has the power of causing harm and injury because they have an intellect, a power which does not belong to the other creatures for those gifts of intelligence and judgment with which he has been endowed for the purpose of acquiring perfection, but which he has failed to apply to their proper aim are used by him for wicked and mischievous ends. He begets evil things as though he merely resembled man or simulated his outwards appearance. Such was the condition of those sons of Adam who preceded Chase. Okay, now this is the condition of if a human being has no tsura, no contours, no structure. Essentially, you know, that's the concept of like of melting or dissolving. Water is really dissolving back into unformed, it's un, you know, lack of form. When humans have no tsura, they begin to dissolve. And they have no form and they don't know who they are, what to do with themselves, how to live. And it's, it's, a, it's a personal flood. It's a personal model. They're just flooded with confusion, impulses, triggers, whatever society is saying, lurching from thing to thing. They have just no tsura, no, no, no you know, untouchable tsura sa'adam that they can always kind of identify themselves by. Okay, now let's take all this. We got to be out of this room, by the way. We're going to have to start on time every week because they have minfa at 2 o'clock here. So we, we're good. All right. How not to think about Yom Hadin. Okay. Okay. Based on what we learned, can we now say Hashem is remembering us today, not yesterday? Yesterday, he didn't know what we did. Today, he doesn't know what we did. Judging us yesterday, he didn't know if we were good or bad and what he should do with us, but today he does. Now he's deciding yesterday. He didn't decide. He had to wait till we did everything to decide what he should do with us. Okay. What's the answer? Of course. We're working with the idea that nothing is allowed to change. Okay. Nothing about Hashem is allowed to change. You're not allowed to have one thing one day and another thing the other day. Okay. Is that clear? Where's my beginning? Here. Okay. Um, Okay, all of these terms imply that Hashem has new awarenesses and makes new decisions. Ascribing anything new to Hashem violates the basic tenet 
of the one eternal changelessness of Hashem. So in Rambam 155, it's written in a difficult language, so I didn't bring the actual Rambam. Also, don't forget, the Moro we have translated from the Arabic. It was a Kirif Sefer, and it was for people to read. And then it was translated by Ibn Tibbin into Hebrew, and then it was translated by a few key people into English. And, you know, there's a little machlokas and what exactly did he mean? And some of the English is awkward. And it's, you know, so I, the, the English on Safari, which is the easy cut and paste, it was just a little too awkward to work with. So basically, this is what it says. Four elements cannot enter into the discussion when we speak of Hashem. Okay, number one, corporeality, meaning nothing physical. Rambam in the 13 Ikrim makes sure to tell us Hashem has no parts. There is nothing physical. When the Hasidah says, Rambam says, you better know what, well, Rambam was way before, but be careful. No, there's no part of God unless you define part as a, a participation in Hashem's thoughts, which we, this is how we talk about it, that Hashem thinks us, Hashem wills us, that's our existence. If Hashem stopped thinking us and willing us, we'd vanish in a second. The part of our mind that thinks and melds with Hashem's thoughts through the Torah learning is called, that's the mind meld. The neshama helps our brain think thoughts and meld our understanding, our mind to God's thoughts. That part of us is part of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. That part lives on after us. We exist as an expression of Hashem's thoughts with our own unique contribution to how that is expressed in the world. That you can only say that we're part of the Ratzon and the Machshava of Hashem, if we are melded with that, where we, we are some sort of expression of that, and we express it in our physical life, but not a, a piece, like a physical piece of anything. But yeah, but that, does, that, that doesn't mean that there's two separate parts. It's a fiction. It's a fiction. In other words, Hashem allows us to perceive as if we're in a separate space that's not flooded with the everythingness of Hashem. That's called the choshech or the chalal, but it's a perception for us. We perceive it. It's not real. There's no separate space in Hashem. Rambam says in Hilchos Yisraeli Torah in the very beginning, what does it mean that, you know, ein od milvado? So by the more Kabbalistic, we don't exist. We're just a figment of God's imagination. Rambam says you do have an exist and you experience an existence. That's why in this world there's rules and there's mishpah, there's justice and there's real things and mitzvahs and food and real things. But he says, listen, think of the fetus in the womb. Your existence is so entirely bottled, nullified, contingent upon Hashem's everythingness that it cannot be called a separate existence. So there is an element of me, right? But it's so subsumed in the greater uh, everythingness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and, and we can't escape that. And ultimately those ideas that Hashem implants in our head and what unfolds for us and what the options are and all that is all designed, it's all beyond us and we have to try to work with it, okay? So let's look, okay, so number one, you can't. Uh, there's no parts, all right? Number two, here's where we're getting into Rosh Hashanah and what, everything we just talked about. Affectability. Is Hashem affected by an outside factor in his own creation? No. Another being cannot cause change in Hashem. Change is a word that violates everything we know about Hashem. Okay? That includes emotions and new decisions. Also, what does it include? 
when it says Vayered Hashem, no, Hashem didn't go anywhere. Okay, think about the mother surrounding the fetus. Vayered doesn't mean anything. It just means that the Shefa, okay, that what enters into our consciousness is greater now for us than we normally can experience, where our minds are able to comprehend and perceive and become aware of things that normally are way too big for us, way too, you know, above us. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, what about Yerushalayim? They say, is that a place of more Shechina? Yes, in that place, more Shefa reaches the world. If we go there with an open Shama, open mind, and we're trying to absorb it, we'll get more. But you've seen people walking around Yerushalayim. I mean, let's not say it in the base Medrash, but there's a ton of people in the base of Yerushalayim who are very not getting anything spiritual from being there. In fact, it's scary the other way, right? Okay. So it all depends if we access that greater Shefa that can be accessed in that place. Okay. Now, let's talk about the next thing. No lack. No quality that is sometimes present and sometimes absent, such as a mood or an emotion or a decision. Okay, this would imply changing degrees of perfection. Yesterday, I didn't really know what I'm going to do with you for next year, but now I do. You can't have that. No true similarity to his creations. Everything in creation is a muscle, but it's not a perfect muscle. Our fetus in the womb is not a perfect muscle. Our emotions are not a perfect muscle. Nothing's a perfect muscle, but there are muscle. Definitely everything is a muscle. Okay. All right. So now what do we do? What is tefillah? Okay, what is tefillah? What are we doing, Rosh Hashanah? What's Yom Adin? What's happening? So we, in order to understand what's happening, we got to talk about Ratzon. Okay, so in the spheres, the ten spheres, we had a little mini course on it. The highest of all, you can Google it. Uh, Chabad only go to reliable places when you learn about this stuff. So Keser or Ratzon, basically, above everything, the origin point of everything, the start before anything reaches any sort of awareness in the world there's even and this is we have the same thing going on in us we, we're a good muscle for this there's a point of ratzon ratzon is an un it is a how do we talk about it here um uh it is a pure free-willed meaning like it's not like oh i want to eat because i'm hungry no there's no cause for it it's a full free-willed uncaused unlimited self-expression that engulfs and forms everything, meaning HaKadosh Baruch Hu is expressing himself, it's overflowing, and Hashem decided to allow that self-expression to manifest itself in endless ways, in, in, in particularly in a physical creation, and within the physical creation in an infinite amount of ways. Everything is some sort of expression of something some sort of muscle for something of Hashem's own self-expression. And that's what Moshe Shapiro always said. When you look around nature, don't say, how can I use this? Say, what is this teaching me? Okay. Everything is teaching us something. Every little thing. All right. So there is this self-expression of HaKadosh Baruch It's called Ratzon. Every single thing that ever happened or was formed or came into being or was experienced is part of that Ratzon. Meaning, Hashem has a ratzon, it's, it's, it's in the Torah, all the truths, all the eternal truths and the values, the midos, everything, this and how we should live and the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that we should all know it. This is the ratzon of Hashem, okay? Now, there's also something called Bechira that Hashem gave human beings so that we could be sort of like Hashem and also express ourselves freely. 
according to who we are and how we see things. So what happens when Hashem has a Ratzon and we have a Chira? How does it work together? Okay, these are the great secrets of how Hashem, we call Hashkocha and Yudia. So the way it kind of works is, okay, that we are operating within this greater realm, way beyond this of Hashem's Ratzon. We are giving Bechira in our little world to try to channel that, to try to internalize that, to try to mold ourselves to that, okay? The more we try to do it, the more we're in sync or close to Hashem's Ratzon and the more Hashem's Ratzon flows through us. Okay. Based on what we choose, how we choose and live our lives and how we grow, there are going to be different expressions um, or manifestations all originally built into the original Ratzon that are going to present themselves. Let me give a simple example. You go in the car. You set your GPS for a destination. That destination does not change. Okay, it gives you directions. But if you make a left turn instead of a right turn, it's going to recalibrate and get you back to the destination. Now, every time the GPS recalibrates, that's not new. It's not a new decision. It's not a chiddush. It's built into the system to get you to the end. Based on what you choose, it's going to give you other options. But those new options are not chidushim. On Rosh Hashanah, we connect back to the original Ratzon. We ask ourselves, how much are we in sync with it? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is allowing his Ratzon, his overarching Ratzon, that everything in, that exists should be a function of Hashem's self-expression that never changes. How that will appear throughout the infinite um, parts of nature and experiences and opportunities will be based on how what we need at that time. But that it's already built in that Hashem Ratzon, Hashem's Ratzon has an infinite amount of manifestations. What is the natural outcome of who we are and what we are is going to befall us. But it's not new. There's no nothing new happening. Yes, Hashem knew, Hashem knows everything. He's not becoming aware of how we did this past year. Of course not. It's just that for us, what we're, where we're at right now stimulates or triggers a new manifestation of the overriding rut zone to keep us going forward. Does this make any sense? Yes, in other words, Hashem is not coming up with a new plan. The Ratzon of Hashem is the source of everything that ever unfolds in all of history, all of time, all of man, all of nature. It's all just various expressions of Hashem's Ratzon. What will unfold when and in what form, it depends on people. But Hashem's not making new decisions what to do right now. Built into the Ratzon is everything, every possible scenario that could unfold. Okay. Get to Tuvan in one second. Let's just read this. There's nothing but Hashem and his Ratzon. It is pure, free-willed, uncaused, unlimited self-expression that engulfs and forms all. The supreme will or Ratzon Ha'elion of Hashem. Okay. This, this is not a particular will focused on a specific goal, but the original divine Ratzon underlying all that will unfold. Okay. It is the will of all wills which precedes all powers and all midos. Midos being not 
personality or character traits, but different unfoldings of the Ratzon according to what's required at that point. Sometimes we call it Din, sometimes we call it Chesed, Racham, whatever it is, it's how the Ratzon manifests itself in this situation, okay? Uh, it comes from beyond their realm as expressed in an infinite variety of ways which are affected by our personal choices. Now, let's give another muscle. Go to the fetus in the womb. Let's try to make a muscle out of that. The fetus lives right in the, in the, we live in this world. Okay, remember the umbilical cord is in the shama and the placenta is the shamayim, the reservoir of all the cocos that will trickle and drip into people, all the malachim, all the, all the ways that the rutzon will manifest itself, which is called malachim. Okay, they, they execute the rutzon in different ways. They're called malachim. Healing or for is a malach. Even ideas that are imprinted in our seichel, it's a malach, all sorts of malachim. We've learned about this. We spent a lot of time last year, the whole Sefer Bracious, we focused on the vua, remember? So everything that Hashem created that is going, that Hashem is going to, um, to the, how the Ratzon will manifest itself is all in this reservoir. They're called the Shemayim, okay? Way above that is the mother's mind. The mother's mind is the rut zone, let's say the mushal. That's where the rut zone starts, okay? How, how we are in line with the rut zone is, okay, all what, what, what enters, what becomes, what percentage, all the nutrients and all the, you know, the, 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 everything, you know, the blood, the oxygen, the nutrients of the mother ends up in the placenta. But how it trickles into each person according to what they need today, okay, that is, uh, that is dependent on what the baby needs today. All right. The mother of those mind, the mother's mind is not making doing anything new. Okay. Hashem's Ratzon is not new. Just what from the Shamayim will trickle into us today. Okay. That depends on what we need. Does this make sense? Okay. So by the way, Ratzon is the Makar. It's the source of all things. It's the beginning. There is no, there is no step before Ratzon. Okay, it's not like I want this, I'm hungry. Okay, I want to eat. Why? Because I'm hungry. Why are you hungry? Because I didn't eat in five hours. So why does it make you hungry? Because my body needs food. But there's always a reason. Ratzon has no prior reason. Okay, it's just Hashem self-expression, uncaused by anything. All right. So Ratzon and Makar have the same gematria source. Okay, think destination, GPS. Now, we have the Bechira to open up that Shefa. Right, we learned that in the Rambam 351. Hashem's zone will manifest in the way best for us to attain the goal of creation, which is our das. Now, what do we do on Rosh Hashanah? So, how do we sort of like self-contemplate on Rosh Hashanah? All right. So we know that whatever is gonna unfold is essentially a extension and a ramification of what we need and what the Ratzon will then kind of like allow to happen for us. All right. How do we think about that? So Rambam also, right? Rambam says in Hilchus Shuvah, it's right here, 3-1. Uh, so, you know, the scale thing is Elul, is the Libra, is the scale. But Rambam says, every single person, what does that mean? Yeah, it's a person who has some consciousness, some awareness of their, okay? Not just Jews. Any human being who has some sort of consciousness that they have a tsura and they have a, they're more than just an animal, okay? Yesh lo zechuyot va'avonot, you have merits and demerits. 
Mi shezuchuyot of yeterot al avonotov tzadik. Whoever's zuchuyot are more than his avonot, is a tzadik. Whoever merits are more than he merits, is tzadik. Mi shavonos of yeteros al zuchuyos of Russia, and whoever is diberits are more than merits, is a Russia. By the way, we also learn what Russia means. It doesn't mean the enemy of God. That's a sone or a oyev. It means laharshia. It's a person who just can't keep focus on their tsura and they're just lurching from this to this to this laharshia is to be in a state of chaos or all over the place. So what is this saying? If you have a thousand quality, not quantity, mitzvahs and a thousand and 999 of errors, what are you? According to this. Tzaddik, do you know what's happening with Shana? What we have to ask ourselves, what am I more? Am I more Tzura? Am I more aligning my mind and letting Torah ideas influence me more? Of course, I slip into survival mode. I forget that there's a greater reality, a greater rut zone. I forget that I'm supposed to align myself with it. I forget how I'm supposed to think the right thoughts and learn Torah. Okay, so I just lived reactive to whatever the situation was, whatever society's saying. I slip, but I'm more uh, in the right track. Tzaddik means tzaddik. Tzaddik means consistent, yashar, straight. Okay, so I'm more doing the right thing. So on Rosh Hashanah, we say like this. Okay. Um, based on who I made myself into up to this point by my Bechira, I have to ask myself, what am I more? I got to be honest with myself. Because what am I more is not just a function of my actions. It's also my thoughts, my intentions. You know, it's, it's the whole picture. And we're told, think of yourself as a Benoni. You know, don't, you're not sure what you're more. You know, be honest with yourself. And this is not talking to regular people. It's talking to the greatest of the great. Of the great. And if you're a Benoni, the Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch could manifest in different ways to give you nisyonos and situations or whatever it is to get you back, you know, to wake you up, which is what the chauffeur is supposed to do. So the best idea to do in the Sarasimichuva is reaffirm, realign, recommit to getting, you know, being being in a good mindset, reconnecting your mind to the, the truth. What's going to happen is then what will, then the rutzon that unfolds for you will be guiding you you know, forward in a way that you will appreciate. And you, well, even if it's bitter, but you'll see, you'll have a sense of connection to Kaddish Baruch Hu. might be tough, we don't know, but it's guiding you in a, you know, you're on the right path and you're going forward. Hopefully it's good, all right? And, um, and, and what this is really saying is it's really all in our hands, right? It's all in our hands. Now, nobody's saying here, that this, that Hashem is some sort of vending machine, that we do the right thing and then we get, you know, we get the candy, okay? Because ultimately in the big zone picture, things, the zone knows what we need and it might not be what we prefer, okay? But we know we're in good hands. That's really the big story of EO, obviously. Um, so, um, so what, what we're, so to add one more idea into this, the big theme of Rosh Hashanah, which sort of encapsulates the whole thing, is Hashem says, Tamli Khuni Alechem, make me your melech. Remember, guys, what does that mean? That Hashem is melech. Rambam Mornabuchim 351. What does it mean? Good. Shiro, what? Say it louder. 
the Shefa. Rambam says the Melech is the divine intellect, meaning Hashem's ideas, the MS that influences our mind. That is called our Melech. A Melech is a leader, guides you, keeps you safe, know what's best for you, right? The Torah ideas, the Shefa, the Shpa, that we allow to influence our thinking is called the Melech. It's also called the Shechina. Okay? When we accept Hashem as Melech, it means we commit to letting these ideas guide us. That's called accepting Hashem as Melech. So what, let's put it all together. Rosh Hashanah, we re-accept to let ourselves be influenced by true Torah ideas. Okay. Then we assess ourselves and say, what am I more? I'm not sure if I'm honest with myself. Let me recommit to Hashem as the Melech. Okay. Then the Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that already put the world and all the systems and everything in nature into place and Sheshis made gracious. And then remember by Yishbos? There is a whole system out there and it can operate in an infinite amount of ways based on what you need. All sorts of things, just like in a person's body in the stem cells, chromosomes that turn on and off and on and off, depending. Their stem cells could do a lot of different things depending on what they're assigned to, okay? So same thing, there's a rut zone. It could do everything within the laws of nature. It depends on what needs to be assigned. That's what, that is what Hashem will... That's what's already built into the system that will, un, you know, will unfold for us. So we still have Ashkacha. That's called Ashkacha. There's also something called Ashkacha Pratis. And, um, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is guiding us according to what we need. And yes, that does mean that there, does, I don't want to indicate that there is some sort of disconnected, removed God that doesn't actually know what we're doing. Obviously, the essence of God's Baruch Hu is knowing everything, all-knowing. All-knowing. Everything is known. That's Hashem knows everything, but for our purposes, we get to decide what, how we're going to think, what we're going to commit to, and understand that the Ratzon that then um, that, that that guides what will or has already imp implanted and already built into the whole system what can happen under these circumstances that will that's what will happen for us and it'll always be good even if it's tough and in the own in the end any situation we're given is for the purpose of using it to increase the flow the hashba which brings us closer that's what close means to Hashem. And then on Yom Kippur, we're like, for all those times that I kind of forgot all this and just, just was, you know, just do whatever I wanted and lived, you know, sort of in a little my little bubble of fantasy of whatever. I feel bad about that because I wasted a lot of time and also developed some bad habits. And then we say, okay, we're not saying okay because Hashem is in a bad mood and angry, okay? Mm -hmm. Saying okay because we regret that we were disconnected from the Shefa and therefore we suffered, we lost out and we did things that were self-destructive for our spiritual and physical well-being. Okay, does this make sense? Questions? Okay, everybody, see you guys on the Q&A. Wait, let me just go here. We have to clear out of this room in five minutes. Hold on, I'm ending the recording, but I'm not ending the meeting, okay?